Now entering Nerdist.com. It's the Nerdist Writers Panel, and it's hosted by Ben Blecker, where he gets a bunch of writers, and he asks them lots of questions, and it's starting now, so this will be the end of the theme. This is it. We're doing it. All right. It's, uh, it's totally the same as before we started doing it. I don't... <laughs> Yeah, there's there's a real method to this. I, I lull you into conversation because uh, we're really going to get you to open up this time around. When we did our three-hour session in San Francisco uh-huh. like years ago. That could still be going on as far as I know. Maybe. That. I think Acker is still up there. <laughs> Guys, Adam Rogers is back, our old friend who when we last had him on the podcast or he had us on his podcast, we talked about um, – it was the Wired Magazine crossover. Right. And we talked a little bit, because you were just kind of getting rolling on it, on this book about the science and history of alcohol. Right. And you were deep in research, as I recall. Yes. And panicked. Um, and panicked. <laughs> um, yeah, where, I'm, I'm trying to remember. Uh, I think I had the contract. Like, I knew I was right. writing it. The book was actually happening. Yes. But you was, weren't even, like, breaking down – you didn't even have a structure. You didn't know – you well, were just I kind had, of culling – Yeah, I mean, I had the structure from mm-hmm. the proposal because I had to oh, that's give right. them an outline. That's right. And uh, give the publisher an outline. And and that stayed the structure. I mean, that was really – that was the key that unlocked me being – me feeling like I was going to be able to write a book. <laughs> was like, okay, well, I sort of know – I can organize the reporting now. But I was just starting the reporting. I don't think I traveled yet. Um, and I was – Yeah, that's right. And I was uh, – freaking right the hell out um because i was worried that it was going to be super hard and it turned out that i was right (laughs) what is the hardest thing about writing a book like never not even a book like this but writing a book well it's my first one so i could change this opinion could change and other more uh, more experienced writers might say something different but you will, in, in, I, let me just interrupt for that because you have written obviously as a journal a journalist and you've edited as a journalist right um so it's not like you're like a guy who's like i'm gonna write a book i think yeah so i i came to this so i came to the project with you know 15 to 20 years of magazine experience yeah. magazine journalism experience like that's what i've been doing and i've written online and i've written for tv a little bit for the, the show that wired, the wired show, yeah. but primarily you know print or at least you know words uh between 200 words and 4,000 words basically <laughs> was the space that i had lived in um so i knew how to do that ish uh <laughs> and you you had been doing i had that. done that it had it had been done it would i suppose the, the passive voice finally finds a use rears its ugly head um but the hardest part i think the first hardest part proved to be ass in chair mm-hmm. it's like sit down and type man you got to write you got to write this stuff you got to get it onto the screen and it's eighty-five thousand words so i think my first draft was probably might have brushed up against 100 and we knew that was way too yeah. long but that was the, the first draft and uh and then the the second part being once i had a draft that i was like this is as much of any this is as much of a, a book as i can make then getting the feedback on it and mm-hmm. having the editor say basically like okay well good start oh <sighs> you know here we go <laughs> and i i knew um you know, when you turn in a first draft to an editor, to a supervisor, whoever your writing mm-hmm. supervisor is, that's always the beginning of the journey, right? Uh, and I, I knew that. Yeah, and I thought I had internalized that better than I had. I mean, that turned out to be to be really uh, a few weeks of pretty dark times. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, like, having been on both sides of that. Right. And having, again, like you say, you you should know that this is the beginning of the journey. But when when you get notes, when you get... Like, this is a good start, which I have no doubt it was. I'm sure it was all of the information that you thought needed to be there uh, and written in the way you thought it ought to be. Um, what happens? How do, you, how do you flip your brain into editing mode? Because that's a very different mode from writing. Yeah, and I would uh, – there were <laughs> – that was the move that I had to make. My editor uh, is a very good book editor, mm-hmm. and she identified – she correctly identified problems, you know? Um, but yeah, that was the, the, the bit flip that I had to make was to, to become an editor of myself in, in a way that I guess I, I mean, looking back, I guess I'd never been, I don't know. Like I thought I had, but it really did take me two weeks, at least two weeks of staring at it really in despair, like really thinking like, I just, I don't, I don't know. 
I don't know how to do it. This what? is as much as I knew how to do. And then finally, finally, some just looking at long enough, I was finally able to just be like, oh, well, this lead's terrible. And then as soon as that happened, then it was just all like, oh, okay, well, now we're just editing. Interesting. Now it's editing. Because I find, and this is a part of writing, and it's, it happens in every piece of writing that goes into any popular format that we haven't really explored because it's, it's a weird time. It's not the, the despair of sitting down to write. Right. Different it's, despair. Is it, that's a different – This yeah, is the despair of collaboration. It kind of is. Yeah. And I know, you know, like when we are given – when Ben and I are given notes on a script or something, the way in for me is to do the cosmetic stuff. Right. It's I can make these little changes. I can fix these things that are easy to fix. I can tweak a line, whatever it is. Because oh, sure. I don't have to take apart a scene because that's when it starts to get hard or I have to take apart an act. And that's really hard. So, I mean, your structure was theoretically sound going in because you're yes. coming off of an outline. Yes. And, and she thought the structure was fine. It was mm-hmm. just they were individual chapters, probably four out of eight of the critical ones there's an introduction and conclusion in mm-hmm. eight chapters 10 gets you to roughly the amount of words you want to get to but um but i i will say too by the way that in the process of coming up with this structure and working on it like r- really like listening to the writer's podcast and thinking about structure in a different oh, wow. way was really helpful oh, just thanks. as like oh remember that there is a structure that you were trying to match and it's and mm-hmm. it is there's a there are mechanisms that you're using to do a thing um was uh, a lesson I kept having to teach myself or learn. So the, the writer's podcast was really helpful. Oh, that's amazing. That. Thank you. Um, so Maybe when I, I should listen to it. <laughs> they're, they're great. Have you heard these? I have not. I'll send you a link. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, they're, they're, uh, so, so to get back, you know, like five out of eight of the chapters or whatever, the note essentially being like, it's not a chapter. Hmm. You know, this isn't structured like a chapter. The, or even worse, the, um, the chapter on aging, on, on mm-hmm. maturation of spirits, you know, putting stuff in a barrel and letting it sit is mostly based on the magazine article that was the beginning of mm-hmm. this is the, the mysterious fungus that lives on whiskey fumes that became That's the so Genesis. Great. There's a great mystery in that yeah. chapter, which uh, such a, a smart thing to hang it on. Right. And so, and, and I, you know, I built that on purpose as a mystery story yeah. and it worked pretty well for in a, in a magazine feature. And I built it into this chapter and, and, and my editor's notes included this bit about like that chapter works really well. <laughs> That one, you know, I'm like, oh, that one that we that we bled and died over at the magazine already. That like five other editors have worked over to within an inch of its life. That one's working good. Okay, good. Glad that's glad that's working. Um, so let's look at these other ones that you're the first human being to see besides me, because um, those maybe aren't as uh, aren't as solid. Uh, yeah, you know, and and it, and and so it's a weird place because you trust the process. I mean, I decided I was going to trust mm-hmm. the process. And decided I'm going to trust my editor. Not that that was hard to do or anything. Sure. Just like you just say, like, I'm not going to be the kind of, I'm not going to be diva-ish about this. Right. It needs work. You're the person who knows how to make books. I've never done it before. Let's make a book and together. you know yourself well enough as a person and a writer to know, I, I don't, I'm not going to get this on the yeah. first try. And I, I don't know everything, basically. And when her, her edit memo comes back and says, like, look, you know, it doesn't really, you didn't, you, you say this thing here, but you don't set that up and you, and you, mm-hmm. you know, there's no thesis here. So we don't understand why we need to learn this. And you tell this story, but that takes a really long time. And all these things are like, right, right. Yeah, that's true. Uh-huh. Yep. Good. Good point. Yeah. Right. Sure. Okay. <laughs> got it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Nope. Don't know how to do that. Not a clue. Hmm. Like I was really depressed. Um, and, uh, my understanding is that that happens. Sure. I, 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 um, one of the nice things about this process was that a lot of other writers who'd been through it already were really kind hmm. uh, and helpful and thoughtful while I was doing it in ways that I was really surprised at. Um, just like, wow, these people are being really nice mm-hmm. to me, and I didn't know that they would be. Um, well, there's something, too, and you know, this is a bit of a tangent, but writers like to have the club of writers. Sure. You know, and we, I think other writers are the only ones who can feel that same thing. As you know, I've been, think, I've been thinking about it a lot with a weightlifting metaphor. Not mm-hmm. that I'm a gym rat or anything, but um, as you can tell. Uh, but uh, when I when I was when I was a, at Newsweek, I started Newsweek as a reporter, and one of the stories that I did early on was about um, the science of the Olympics, a science of sport story, and uh, and I I did a piece on um, on the mental state of an, an elite mm-hmm. athlete, and uh, one of the coaches I talked to said that they'd use a lot of visualization 
because in weightlifting, especially, you're going to go out and try to lift an amount of weight that you've never lifted before. So you don't know what it feels like. You're going to try to do a thing that you've literally never done before, right? So you can sort of practice for that, but you have to imagine what the lift is like. Hmm. And I think similarly with writing, you can describe what it feels like to lift a heavy weight. But if you're talking to somebody who's also lifted that weight, then they, they know what that is. And, and I think, too, having now written a book, like I know what the weight feels like. Mm-hmm. The idea of writing another one doesn't terrify me in the same way as this one terrified me. It terrifies me in all new ways, but not that particular right. one. Um, let, me, let me interrupt for a moment and say that that metaphor, this is for the listener, that metaphor that Adam just gave you, <laughs> the book is, this is how the book is written. Oh. <laughs> like it is so in your voice and this is a, listen first of all get the book the book is called proof we haven't even said that yet right proof the science of booze yes it is available it is available and it is great and it is so you know you may be scared off by science as i am like i am pretty dumb and <laughs> that's that is a that is a trolly <laughs> lie you should be ashamed no, of yourself i, I have uh, trouble keeping concepts in my head i'm not I'm out of practice as a reader. It's, I've talked about this recently on the podcast. I'm not proud of it. But the book is written in such a way where you have these weightlifting metaphors that help us understand the science that you're trying to explain uh, and are succeeding in explaining. Um, so I would urge anyone who understood that metaphor as applied to writing <laughs> to pick up this book because it's full of that stuff uh, that very – like in many ways it's handholdy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, that's science writing. You, you, that's that's the, that, I, I mean, the way I was trained. That is the, mm-hmm. that's the art of it. But it's, I, and I will say, there's an art to it. I mean, you, you do this so expertly, and I will tell you, I will admit this to you. You know, because Adam and I are friends, and I, I saw you a few months ago on this Joko cruise, mm-hmm. and we were with people who didn't know you very well, and I walked away with Todd Cooper yes. saying, "That guy's great." He explains something to me and he makes, and when I understand it, he makes it seem like I explained it to him. Well, that's the, that's the, the best magazine writers do that. And I wish I was better at that. We do it in conversation anyway. No, where you, they, they make you, you, you come in and you're like, right, that's a thing I already knew. I totally already knew that. Yeah, that's exactly it. And, and honestly, that's how the book makes you feel going through it is like I obviously I came in knowing very little about this I like alcohol sure I know the minimum I need to know about you know what what is enjoyable about it and you know how it's made um, but to get into the real nuts and bolts of it and the oftentimes literal dirt of it right. um, again it's it made it, it was understandable in a way as if I had always understood it I'm glad that, um, that is that was the point We'll talk about that in a minute. But I want to talk about this, again, this right. tackling the rewrite. So, uh, yes. So I, uh, I was talking about the kindness that a lot of other yes. writers showed me. Well, um, uh, a writer who writes a lot for, um, for Wired came in for his – he was having a, a book event at mm-hmm. Wired. And uh, it, the, it's, it was a book about hijacking. Hijacking's in the 70s. The Skies Belong oh, yeah. to Us. Um, it's, a re- it's a really good book. And uh, and I was saying I said congratulations and I'm I'm really happy for your success and I said I'm really jealous you know because because I I'm not there right. you know and I just and right now I just don't feel like I'm going to be you know oh. and he said uh, he said well where are you what's going on I said well I just got the edits back and he said oh yeah <laughs> they're dark times man and that was it that was all and wow. and it was like oh, you know, you're not the first person, you know, it's <laughs> right. not, you're not the only person. This, right. They're dark for everybody. That helped a lot. Um, just that simple little, little sure. bit of like, you're, it's, you know, they're dark times. They're supposed to be dark times. Um, Absolutely. And, and they it's were, in many ways starting from scratch, although it's not starting from scratch. Yeah. It's like, I mean, for me, it really was, I feel as though I have given every ounce of my effort and ability yeah. and to find out, to, to hear that that was not enough was really it was really hard mm-hmm. and i i look this is in some well it's a writer's podcast so i mean you know we all know what level of whining exactly. this is it's like it's not like someone was hitting me with a shovel <laughs> while this was going on you know i wasn't lashed to a mast right. while this was happening you know i was sitting at a desk right um staring at a screen uh but what was on the screen wasn't working well and that's that's what it is right it's a very specific kind of misery that you're like yes i get it yeah. things are good yeah but this is a miserable experience. Um, I'm curious about 
specifically, you know, when, when the editor comes back and says, this is not a chapter, this doesn't feel like a chapter or it doesn't have the structure of a chapter, what did that mean, if you can remember back to that time? Yeah, I mean, I blocked out a lot of it, obviously. Sure. But, um, <laughs> but uh, it was what I didn't know or what I, what I didn't know enough, what I hadn't internalized mm-hmm. enough, was that every chapter has to be a self-contained unit with a lead and a kicker beginning and end. It has to have a narrative arc and you're going to hang pieces off that narrative arc in the same way that you might with a feature for a magazine, with a feature story for a magazine. A a critical difference being that, as I said, I had lived mostly in the world of 4,000 words, you know, plus or minus, right? So my chapters are in the book are about 8,000 words. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, that's a whole different thing. That's the difference. That's going, you know, that's like, just because you know how to write a half hour does not let you know how to write a feature film, sure. right? Like they're structurally different. They, they require different timing. They require different moves. And they were moves that I wasn't making. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I hadn't, and I hadn't shaped, I hadn't shaped the chapters well enough. They hadn't, there were, the, the, the way that you got into the chapter didn't tell you anything about how you were going to get out of the chapter, which was mm. stupid to me because that's the first thing that I'm telling my writers, right? It's right. like, listen, it'd be great if your kicker could evoke the lead because right. it makes readers think that you knew what you were going <laughs> to do, you know, even though we know that we right. didn't. But um, in approaching a longer piece, I can see where it wouldn't be the first thing you come to mind. And also because I was doing, I was doing something in the book that I would always warn writers off of, which is that the, the book is very survey. It covers, and it's discursive. Mm-hmm. It covers a lot of different stuff and it goes in different directions. And, and, and some of the transitions, some of the section breaks are, have a little bit of the vibe of like, mm-hmm. actually, let me stop for a second. Yes. I just want to tell you this other cool story. <laughs> you know, almost, om- that's almost the transition is like, yeah. actually, that reminds me of something really cool. And, and I, you know, I don't think I did that. So <laughs> oof, I hope I got all those out. Um, but they do have, I mean, and, and again, the book is not conversational, but it feels like a conversation. Yeah. And you it's, know, and, and that's why those chapter breaks do feel like I guess they're not chapter breaks, but they're within the, right. The little, the little section breaks, yeah. which I use a lot of in the, in magazine writing mm-hmm. too. As just to like, oh, of course, take a, take a beat. Yeah, we're gonna do something else for a second. But then I was doing this thing with like, and then I'll come back to yeah. that thing I was just talking about. Sure. And then we'll take a beat and do something else, and then I'll come back again and trying to make that work over eight thousand words. Right. And it had and it hadn't in, in a lot of the chapters. It just it just wasn't one of the ones. I mean, there's a chapter on smell and taste mm-hmm. and the science of how we smell and taste things. Fascinating science. It's not completely worked out. It's very exciting, and it's and it has a lot of um, has neurobiology and metaphor. You know, it has it, it extends <laughs> sure. across human experience. And um, and I I had written I think the chapter that I kicked in was I basically sort of threw up my hands because it was probably uh, fifteen thousand words or something. Six thousand of them were just like me so far in my head going like, listen, I think I basically just have to talk about smell and taste for a little while here. Mm-hmm. And so let's do that. Yeah. Let me get this out. Yeah. And, and it was like 6,000 words and I showed it to, I'd, I'd shown it to a, a friend, another a journalist who I kind of grew up with. Um, and, uh, and he said the same thing my editor did, which is like, well, you know, you're just gonna have to cut all that. Right. Like, that's just not, hmm. you can't, no, like you can't do that. But do you do you cull that stuff and say what needs to be here, or do you just say that that was clearly all warm up for me? I needed to get that out of my system before I could get into the actual story that takes place in this chapter. Well, what it what it ended up, what lived on from that huge, you know, that vast amount of writing was uh, was the very core of the science. And one, because what I realized was all I really wanted to do was to get to one specific thing to be able to say. And I finally kind of decided like, well, I'm just going to say it yeah, and hope that at this point everyone will come along with me. Right. Because it was a later chapter. Right. It's deeper into the book and they are, because there's also that aspect. You're not just writing an 8,000 word essay. There's a serialization to it. You have to have momentum to these things. That's right. And that's why the, the structure you know the structure lived the structure was a powerful thing being able mm-hmm. to being able to go back to the outline again and again um you know my equivalent of the note cards on the wall right uh, um sure. was really uh was really helpful it was strengthening because it meant it, when it kept working when it kept being strong enough to stand up to all of the stuff that i needed to needed it to do it was like oh this is a relief this is good this this means hmm. that fundamentally there's a book here still 
like even when I was messing up, it's like fundamentally, if I can go back to the no, remember what you're doing, remember what each of these things, this structure works, this process arc in the book that goes, that traces alcohol being made from mm-hmm. starting with yeast and then, and going all the way through to hangovers, mm-hmm. you know, going how it's made and then pivoting on when you take a sip of it, talking about the effects on the body and the brain, um, was really solid, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, um, and it did, and it, and it built on itself in a way that later chapters could do stuff that the early chapters didn't have to and, and mm-hmm. couldn't have. So, um, that's smart. I, I don't yeah. know. I'm, I say that, but now I, uh, but I also know that the first chapter is full of, you know, biochemistry and full of some pretty kind of big concepts too. So I don't know. It is, but I don't know. It's funny. I thought I would be scared off by that. I, I mean, I used every science writing tactic and trick that anybody ever taught me, right. To try sure. to get that stuff, get that stuff in there and some stuff, some tricks from fiction that I tried to pick up too. So all the metaphor work mm-hmm. right? and, and, and doing metaphors, not, not as the explanation, but after the explanation. Mm-hmm. So explaining the science and then saying, here's what it's like. It's like this because otherwise the metaphor gets in the way of explaining it. Like that's, that, yeah. that's hard fought knowledge. You know, that's like, <laughs> that took me 20 years to figure out. Yeah. Um, and or, it's a, the book is a great lesson. And I mean, for, as a writer, that is the thing that I took from it is like, this is a structure that you can use to explain anything from science to emotion to, you know, yeah. It's a concept. big, it's a big exposition dump in some yeah. respects, right? But and it so never the, feels like it, and because like so, all right, we're going to do. There's, it's full of flashbacks, and it's full of stories, and mm-hmm. there's, there's, you know, the, it's like, and that's when, and then here comes Louis Pasteur, right? right. And you've heard of him. Well, check this out, <laughs> and then like you know, and or here, you know, and here's, or here's, you know, welcome to this pastoral place that has a terrible flood, and there's a disaster. Mm-hmm. What are they going to do? Right. Like all or these here's things. Here's the interesting personality who is running this place or discovered yeah. this and, thing, and that always had to be the the. Um, the vehicle through which mm-hmm. to tell any of the stories you had to, I had to have people doing something. Yeah. And that, that, I mean, that's a fiction lesson too. It's a person doing something hard against increasingly difficult odds. Right. Yeah. And then Absolutely. either failing or succeeding at a critical moment. Right. Yeah. And so it, there's all these stories that arc that way and then resolve and arc that way and then resolve and then intercut with exposition with, with just with science beats. The thing that I was, I was trying to keep in mind, um, you know, Neil Stevenson's Baroque cycle, the, um, so he wrote, uh, most famously, still probably a snow crash. But he, yeah. you know, he, but he wrote, uh, but um, Quicksilver and System of the World and the Confusion. Okay. They're, 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 and then there's sort of Cryptonomicon is kind of a, a kind of a sequel to them also. So okay. it's four two thousand page books. I mean, they're enormous, and they're basically about the history of economics and cryptography in the West. I mean, uh-huh. these massive tomes on how we developed mod- the modern world, and um, that's really tough stuff. Right. And that's really complicated. And the way he gets you through it is the instant, the instant, the very instant it starts to get even the least bit boring. There's either sex or violence. <laughs> there's a sword fight or a naked person. Right. Um, I guess you'd call it the Game of Thrones approach now. <laughs> uh, and, and so um, and they work. They're, they're brilliant. They're just mm-hmm. great. And I was really thinking like, OK, how far can I start talking about, you know, alcohol dehydrogenase one versus alcohol dehydrogenase <laughs> two before I have to get a joke in or a person or something mm-hmm. like that's. You know, and that just happens again and again and again. And sometimes, I, you know, whether it works or not is up. Th- that proof is left as an exercise for the student, I suppose. A re- you know, a reader decides that. But that was what I was thinking about it. Mm-hmm. That's what I was trying to, to make work. Well, what you also do, which I've, I've, you know, I think I remember this in like is his name, uh, the the dinosaur writer, Gould, Stephen Jay Gould, Stephen yeah. Gould, yeah, yeah, Stephen Jay Gould. I remember getting this from his books. That even you know, the microbe is a character. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, guy totally. has an arc. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely right. Um, you know, the, uh, the 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 subject, yeah. right, becomes the, the becomes the object in a way, right? Like the, that becomes a character is doing something is having there's yeah. there's some action there, um, and there's an emotion there. There's there's a journey that's going to happen, and whether we're putting emotion on it or it's there because of the momentum of the storytelling yeah but this is you're invested it's a tricky thing about science writing though too because then you you end up falling into it's it becomes possible to fall into a trap of telling just so stories where you're doing something that's that's um Mm anti-scientific right where you're you're telling a story where like you tell a story that involves evolution and you ascribe desire to evolution or direction to evolution for example and um and we get into 
let's say frank and open conversations in my office about that sometimes where we're like, look, evolution's not a vector. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't have a direction. There's no up or down in evolution. It just happens in response to changes in the environment. So, you know, you can't, so you don't want to make evolution the character because then if you do, evolution has to want something, right? Yeah. Evolution has to have a desire that's being vexed in some way that it has mm-hmm. to get around. And you go like, well, now you're telling a story that is not the right story to tell because it's, it's not true. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I guess it's then that, that fungus is uh, being there, right? It's that character. Oh, well, so, yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> right? He's actually. going through and you're invested in the journey. And what I, uh, another of the things that was in my head was Forrest Gump. Sure. Because it's like. A modern could, being there. A modern, sure. <laughs> that's giving Forrest Gump <laughs> quite a lot of credit. Um, Absolutely. Uh, because I was like, okay, booze is present at all of these significant moments. Mm-hmm. I will tell you about the significant moments through the lens of what booze was doing there. Right. And that was the, you know, so I can That's get, funny. so I can get yeah. to the, I can get to the moments by saying that like, you recognize right. you as a human who lives in the world recognize. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's very interesting. That implies um, that, and, and I would assume, and we may have actually talked about this last time, that there was a lot of thought about who the audience for this book is or would be. Oh, yeah. Yes. I did think about it a lot. I started to think about constituencies. Um, so, you know, in politics, right? Mm-hmm. Your constituencies are the people you represent. And I was trying to figure, because I thought I have a lot of constituencies. I have a lot of people who I am trying to accurately reflect and represent and people who I would like to, to like this book, to appreciate it and to mm-hmm. think that they were accurately represented uh, in, in some important way. So some of those were the people who make booze, right? I was hoping that like brewers and winemakers and distillers and people who make rum and people who make tequila and all would be able to read it and go, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. No, he got that right. Mm-hmm. So I know that there are a couple of places I've had enough conversation. Now that I know there are a couple of places where I made small mistakes, mm-hmm. but I, but in general people have said like, yeah, no, this is even, I didn't know some of this ever. Yeah, this is why we do that, which is good. Cause I was worried about that. Um, I thought about, the people who write about booze and cocktails, which there are a lot. And I thought, wow. And the sort of the, the influential bartenders, you know, who I, who I had read and taken a lot of, um, uh, 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 uh who, who had really influenced me. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought, well, are they going to feel like I'm saying stuff that rings true to them or that they're going to be surprised by and think rings true. Scientists, the people who are doing the work, you want it, I wanted it to be right. I wanted it to be accurately saying, this is the state of the science. This is how they're doing This is what these people are like. And this is the kind of work that they're doing. Um, and, and science writers, too. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to, I, I was very conscious that I, I was trying to join a club. You know, people who, wrote, who write nonfiction science in, in books. You know, I'd, I'd, I've been in magazines for my whole career, but, I, but this was new. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I was really, you know, so I had a lot of voices um, in my head of like, this is the kind of stuff that I think will work here. This is what will be appealing. This will make sense when I say it, you know, th- this is, this is right. That wasn't right. This is right. I can back this up. Um, you know, the note is extensively, the book is extensively footnoted and bibliographied for some of the, for that reason to, to bolster it, you know, to sure. say like, no, this is, this is the real stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, uh, you know, I had a couple of, of writers in my head, whom I've gotten to meet and talk to about their process too. And I could never do either of what I could never do what either of them do. Mm-hmm. But, but I, I was thinking of this kind of, um, spectrum's not quite right, but a, a, a line at least between David Quammen and Mary Roach, mm-hmm. who are both great science writers. David writes big, serious, interesting books. He goes out with, you know, he go with researchers for six months to distant islands and look for animals who nobody's ever seen before. And, and he dives way, way into the literature and really understands the stuff, you know, comes close to getting his own PhD in it. Um, uh, very circumspect, considered serious stuff. Um, amazing books. Like when, when a Guaman book comes out, you're like, okay, like this field is now getting solved, you know? And Mary also deceptively, you know, deceptively complicated, but writes in a super conversational, come along with me on this journey, mm-hmm. um, which will be fun. And I will note funny things that happen along the way. And when you, when we get to the other side, you will actually know kind of a lot of science, even though you might not have even noticed me putting the stiletto in, you know, <laughs> um, and very fun. And she's a very, she's, she's, you know, she sort of plays a character in the, 
in the in the book mm-hmm. of like I don't know anything about science, but uh, let's go check this out. Which isn't she's not like that at all, right? right. But that's sort of the, her character in the book, and she's in the books very much. It's like we got to do this amazing thing, you know. And so whenever I got to a problem I had to solve in the book, right? Like how do I want to do this? I would I really would think like, well, what would Quammen do, and what would what would Roach do? Like how would they do it? Interesting. And because I, I would never be able to do it the way they did it, sure. But just to try to find some, yeah, absolutely, um, some calibration. And this is a great writing trick. I mean, yeah. you're you're stealing without stealing. Yes. Well, so uh, and I, it was it's and here's where the actual theft is. The actual <laughs> theft is from the line in the David Mamet movie Heist mm-hmm. uh, with Gene Hackman, mm-hmm. where they ask him, "How do you come up with such amazingly complicated jobs?" And he says, "I try to imagine. I try to imagine a smarter man and ask myself what he would do." I think that's the line. It's close to that. Yeah. And it's that thing. It's like, well, what would a good writer do? All right, I'm going to do that. <laughs> you know? Like, if I were a good writer, this is how I would try to do it. So I'm going to try to do that like a, like a good writer might. Uh, it, it's funny hearing that described. And I think we did talk about that before. But the the character that is you that comes across in this book, yeah. which is, I mean, it's certainly not the Mary Roach. Um, and it's not the, it's not super academic either. Right. Um, it feels like I'm being led by an inquisitive guide. And he doesn't show up that often. No. I try not to have him show up. Definitely. I tried not to have him show up at all. Well, and and that's the thing. It's, you know, I don't think I know you any better having read the book. I know what your interests are, though. Yeah. I mean, and and I think that's what's interesting. It's, this guide has the same questions I have. And I think that's a strong way to lead someone through a book. That is what is... That's what's supposed to happen. I mean, again, like I, I'm, it's weird because I'm being sort of theoretical because I don't know if this was completely successful. But mm-hmm. I do this. This is certainly uh, this is how we do the front of book at, at Wired, right? Mm-hmm. The, the little two hundred word, three hundred word items in the beginning of the magazine at, at Wired is every one, every sentence. If we're doing it right, contains an implicit question. It makes the it, you, you're forcing like you force a card in a card trick. You're forcing a question into the reader's mind mm-hmm. that then the next sentence answers. And so you, you it, it has the effect when it when when done right, it has the effect of pulling the reader into the story because you you get this thing of like, but that would mean, oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> like as you're reading it, like, Absolutely. oh, I see. No, but wouldn't that? Oh, no, that's a good. Right. That's that was that's what that would mean. And sometimes yeah. it really sometimes it's natural. That question naturally does mm-hmm. arise. And sometimes I'm doing something is basically saying like, now, if that's true, then you have to ask yourself, right. which is me basically saying like, okay, reader, <laughs> I need you now to ask this question because right. here comes an interesting answer. Right. right. Um, so yeah, those questions are, the, are supposed to come up and they do. I think, you know, when, when somebody who, who knows me has read it and says, it's like sitting and having a drink with you. I think that's what that, I think that's what that is. I think so. I also don't always think it's a compliment. <laughs> I think in your case, but I don't. I don't always. Think. I think it is definitely a compliment. <laughs> I mean, it is like I say, it is the guy asking the questions that you want to ask, yeah. and and that is that is in many ways a, a hallmark of good writing. I mean, that's how we can tell good writing from bad writing is when a sentence is not suggesting the next sentence or suggesting a question that leads to the next answer. I, I guess I would say here's how you a, a good way to analyze that. Mm-hmm thought is the converse certainly proves it which is to say if you're reading something and you go well wait a minute and then you have that question and then it doesn't get answered mm-hmm. or if you're watching a mystery show right and you're watching yeah. some tv show and you're like well, well wait a minute you know couldn't it have also been that and they never touch on it then then you as the consumer of this thing go like well that was stupid yeah you know that didn't there's a whole there's that's an obvious question it didn't answer even if the, maybe right. the question's not obvious or to whatever like um if you feel that at all then that's that's a failure of the writing so if there's places of course I say that but then there's a there you know the my book is obviously not complete there's plenty of stuff I didn't talk about right that that somebody could very easily i had one 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 person I was talking to did say he said you didn't talk about ice I said, that is true <laughs> on purpose because ice is really hard and I couldn't figure out where to put it. <laughs> so what I told myself was, that's cocktails and I'm not talking about cocktails. <laughs> you really justified not talking about I, ice. It, was, it is a pathetic and sad rationalization for <laughs> an omission in the book. Ebook. It'll be an ebook. <laughs> <laughs> an addendum on ice. <laughs> But that is, I mean, that's another part of the process, right, is that culling, is you wind up with all of this information and you're asking questions that are leading to more questions that are leading to answers and more questions yeah. that, you know, at a certain point, 
again, despite having this outline, you have to say what belongs in this book. Well, and some of that is is necessitated by a circumstance. The deadline's coming. Sure. You know, you got to type. There's no, you know, at a certain point, like I got to finish this. And so I can't go look into that. There are places that I wish that I had done more like anything else. There are places I wish sure. I had done more. Um, and I, and I, um, <laughs> you know, uh, the, the, when, when you, um, when, you, for me, when I'm just starting, uh, research, there's a, it can be a great feeling of, think about it like when they when they found king tut's tomb right and they thought they had this little antechamber with nothing in it and then they kind of tap <laughs> through the back wall and the little hole opens and it turns out like holy crap <laughs> there's a whole like there's a whole thing you know like and it, and it happens in in research it happens to me all the time and it can be very exciting where you you pick up like you see one little ref side reference right. and something that you read and then you find a book about it and you're like this is fascinating and then you look more into it and it turns out like there's whole libraries yeah. like this is th- there's not just one book this is a canon <laughs> You know, that you just tumbled into. And that can be, at the beginning of a research process, very exciting because it can Mm -hmm. turn out that like, oh, holy crap, there's a lot to write about here. This is great. There's so many people doing the work. But then like, you know, if you tumble into one of those three quarters of the way through writing a book and it turns out that like, uh, not only is someone working on this, everybody's working on it. You kind of like, oh, crap, I just don't have time to go learn this. Like, I just don't, I I can't, I can't, you know, I want the book to come out someday. Like, I just, I have to figure out a way to process this more quickly than I, than I would want to. And I, I, you know, I, whatever, you feel guilty about, I feel guilty about some of that stuff. (laughs) I'm sorry. Yeah. But, but that has to be the case. And, you know, this stuff has to be about omission in large part. And it's not a thousand page book. It's a 200 page book, you know. Um, I want to go back to one of the very first things you said here today, which was one of the challenges or one of the tough parts of approaching a book is actually sitting down and writing and typing. How do you do it? How do you get yourself to do it? Um, I did find a lot of those things that like, what do I, what conditions, what are the minimum conditions I need so that I will type? Mm -hmm. There was a lot, I have a lot of spinning up time too. Like I'll sit down and I'll be like, oh, I'm going to screw around on Twitter and I'm going to look at, oh, look at a YouTube video. And, oh, I'm going to, oh, I do have to answer that email, actually, now that I think about it. And, like, you know, would, and some days I could sit down and it would be 15 minutes of spin up and some days it would be two hours of spin up, mm-hmm. which is sucks. Stupid. You feel like a schmuck, you know. Absolutely. Um, I, you know, I had a very particular uh, mu- music playlist. Did you? Kind what of music was on I the music to. playlist? Uh, all like instrumental techno EDM <laughs> stuff. Because I would only, I would rather write silent in silence. Mm-hmm. But um, if I was in a coffee shop or if there were other people around or whatever, then I would put on headphones and listen to music. But if the music has any lyrics, then I can't write. Yeah, that's all you hear. Yeah, yeah. So no lyrics, and then like jazz or classical, the rhythms weren't. Mm-hmm. Right, so it ended they up don't being drive you. Yeah, exactly. That's so really I, interesting. my joke about it became, oh, I need music that sounds like it was written by computers for computers, <laughs> which um, absolutely makes sense. The, uh, the 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 remixed Tron Legacy soundtrack turned out to be really good. That's the one. The Daft I'm going to download remix. that. Uh, it turned out to be really that uh, got me through a lot of chapters, and and um, and I, there really were a lot of. Uh, I would uh, I rented a desk in a shared office space that was really? above the coffee shop that I was doing most of the writing in anyway, but closed, closed too early. Uh-huh. And, and I am a nighttime writer. Right. Yeah. We talked about this a little bit, um, when you were last on the podcast about how like you're doing this on top of having a full-time job at the magazine, right. on top of having a family. Yeah. The family bore a lot yeah. of that brunt. I mean, she was, my wife says she was a book widow for a year and it's true. And when I got the contract, I said, this is a process that will make you angry at me, but we're going to do it anyway. And let's just both know that because I'm going to go do this. Mm-hmm. And we both, you know, we did. Um, but it meant that like weekends would be like sort of get up late, do things in the morning with the family. And then long about anywhere between 11 and one, whenever I could get myself going, mm-hmm. be like, I'll see you later. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes later was soon. And sometimes later was later. And sometimes later was me coming home just bereft because I had eight hours and 200 words. Yeah. And sometimes later was me completely manic because I'd had six hours and 3,000 words. Yes. I was like, this is the best thing ever. The book's going to be so great. I think I really got this one. I think I, you know, just like, oh, you vault. Really? Um, I don't know which of those is worse. Like, no. They're both terrible. Well, there is that thing of, you know, the ramp up to it is such a part of the process. 
Um, and it, it's, you know, it comes up on these podcasts all the time. And if you are only getting, you know, if you have a two hour ramp up and you're taking that time away from your family, yeah, so it feels guilty. terrible. Yeah. And it do, that doesn't make it easier to work. Nope. Uh, right. Because you have there. to be in an emotional space too. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm sitting there trying to find the, the right, you know, I'm like, oh, I, re- I guess I really do need to watch the opening credits of season two of Airwolf again. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like manifestly a waste of time. Exactly. But also a necessary waste of time to be able to, or, you know, or like, oh, I, you know, I want to write that one sentence, but, but figuring out what to put in it, that one fact is going to take me an hour and a half of aimless, you know, Google searching or whatever. Mm-hmm. And all that stuff is part of the process and important, but also makes you feel like you're not really engaging in the process while mm-hmm. you're doing it. And I, and I would sit there, there were days when I would get there and I would park my car and sit in the car for like, ten, like not 10 minutes. It wasn't a long time, but just completely like, fuck. <laughs> like, I don't know how. Um, but that, so that, you know, what, what, get, what gets me out of the car, I guess, is the deadline. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. well, you got to write it. I mean, they gave, they gave you money and you told them you'd have it by a day and that day is coming. Did I? I don't, I, don't, I think I told you this story offline but i'll tell you again because it's being recorded now um probably maybe (laughs) fingers crossed i don't remember which chapter i don't remember which month this was but it was it was like the 10th of the month where the book was due on the 30th of that month Uh and i had a call with clive thompson who is a brilliant writer writes for wired he's a columnist i edit his column at wired and i edit his features and he um he has a book called Smarter Than You Think that's about how the internet changes the way people think and act. Really, really smart guy. And I've known him for a long time. And he was like a, like nine months ahead of me. So his book, I think, was just out when we were having this conversation. And he said, where are you? And I said, uh, I got about a chapter and a half to write plus the conclusion. But I know, with the, I know what's in them. And the last half of this chapter, I, I know I structured out is fine. And, mm-hmm. and the conclusion, I basically know what's going to be in it. The last chapter is a little tricky, but it's the hangover one. And so I sort of know how it's going to work. And it's a fun one. And he said, okay, so that's what, like 20,000 words? And I said, yeah, it's like 20,000 words. And he said, when's it, when's it due? And I said, the, you know, the 30th, end of the month. He said, so 20 days. And I said, yeah, yeah, I guess that's right. He said, so 20 days and you have 20,000 words. I said, well, yeah, no, I guess that's right. And he said, let me say that to you again. <laughs> you have 20 days to write 20,000 words. And I said, Clive, I got to go. <laughs> I hung up the phone. I went into my yeah. boss's office and I said, so I'm fucked and I got to go. Uh, so I'm going to hand off some work and uh, I'll see you in a couple of weeks because I got to go. And what were you able to drill down? Like, that's the time. You got to do it. You know, it was actually great. Because it was the first time when I, and this was stupid because I should have been doing this all along. And mm-hmm. I kind of was, I budgeted the time and the whatever, but the whatever, and you can, and exactly. so the thing. But now it was like, you got to write a thousand words a day for the next 20 days. And if you miss that mark, you have to write that much more <laughs> the next day. So yep. only, wrote four, only wrote 500 words today. Okay. You got to write 1500 tomorrow. Or you wrote 2000 words today. That's good. Yeah. You can breathe a little bit. So if I finally... It was really crystallizing. Yeah. Now this was very tangible at that point. Um, Now this was, you know, then I wrote stuff that then like didn't work. Obviously, like this was the first. I think that was the first draft. And yeah, but but still, it was like okay. Well, now I get it. Now I get. Now I have a job. Now it's a job. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. (laughs) Well, and it gets. It's the the other bargaining was about booze too, Mm -hmm. because I couldn't write at all if I had anything to drink. Really? Yeah. Just nothing. Like three sips, and I'd be like, I'm done for the day gonna knock off i think so i couldn't that's hilarious i was like well okay so i'll have i have that bottle of whiskey i really like so i'll have a glass of that when i get home nice. if i finish you get, yes it's a reward system yeah. um that's funny to hear though i mean so much of especially the the one chapter is sensory right yeah how do you not take a sip and then say here is what is going on yeah emotionally <laughs> In the sensory way, and then here's the science of it. I, I separated that out like like any reporting. Mm-hmm. You know, like, that that just became sort of... People have been teasing me a lot about, like, wow, the research wasn't a lot of fun. And you're like, yeah, okay, <laughs> I get it, because of the drinking. 
Uh, but, um, <laughs> but like, you know, um, there were actual case. There were actual instances of I am drinking here as research for this. What this feels like. I wanted to have a lot of descriptions. Uh, very. I wanted really visceral descriptions of smell and taste because um, it's one of the things that only print can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, other media can't. Hmm. Um, you know, TV, they can yeah, sort of say like, it smells like pine in here, but mm-hmm. it doesn't work the same way as when you, when you see it in print and, mm-hmm. and I can describe how something smells and tastes and try to find words that will evoke, will be evocative yeah. for a reader. So I, I try to do a lot of that because um, you, you, you get to when you're writing about Absolutely. food and drink. It's, an, it's a nice bonus. Yeah, I mean that that kind of writing is all through the book, and that's that's what I really admired in it. Is you know, we're so in it, we're so it's so evocative, uh, whether it's the flooded basement yeah. or you know the taking a sip of this thing. It, it was really well done. Those uh, are like those are reader rewards too. It's like okay, yeah. reader, now you get to take a drink. <laughs> that is true. At least true. metaphorically. Well, I think I tweeted this, I, and I don't know if you saw, but. I was reading, it was the, not even the chapter, it was just a section on bubbles. Yeah. <laughs> and I had a beer. Yeah. And all I could think about <laughs> was every single sip of this beer and what was going on in it and what had happened. See, I, I, I mean, it was fascinating. I love that. I don't know if it makes it better. If it, I don't know if that improves or screws up somebody else's drinking experience. It makes, it, it improves mine. But well, by the time you finish the beer, you forget about it. And then you're anyway. like, <laughs> By the second beer, you're not thinking of anything. <laughs> right. Um, I want to talk about, you know, we have discussed, and I think, you know, you mentioned this offline, but you also mentioned this, I think, the last time we talked about the hangover chapter. Yeah. Um, and how it really was meant to be a bit of a reward and a bit of mm-hmm. something to rope, it, rope people in because it's, it's fun and it's interesting and, you know, it's very relatable. But what I would really want to talk about was the introductory chapter. Yeah. Which, for me as a reader, I mean, like, one, obviously... I'm a bit of a process nerd. Sure. And two, you know, I am hooked when someone is passionate about something. And that chapter was actually very emotional to read. Yes. Because it was clearly you explaining why you care about this subject, why you're approaching it in this way. And then there's obviously the great story, the through line of of going to the bar in New York. Yeah. Yeah. it, can you talk about that writing? Just writing that introductory chapter. The introduction had to do um, two and three jobs, but they're all related. It had to make the case for the book, mm-hmm. right? Maybe that's the overarching thing. Actually, is the introduction had to make the case. The introductory chapter had had to be the place where where I was going to be like, okay, look. <laughs> You're going to like this. It's going to be fine. (laughs) Like, it's not going to be too hard. There's going to be cool stuff. You're going to enjoy the style. The style's going to be okay. Like, Mm -hmm. come come along, right? So since it had to be a come with me, it sort of had to open with going into the sorcerer's workshop, right? You have this secret, like you cross a threshold into a secret world. The opening of the book is literally you cross a threshold (laughs) into a secret world, right? Oh, boy. So had to do that. Okay, and I had that secret world. I had it. You know, I went to go see this place. I'd always wanted to go mm-hmm. see. And remind me what the it's name Dave Arnold, who mm-hmm. is, who opened a bar called Booker and Dax yeah. in in New York. And he he's a kind of an inventor and a tinkerer, and he he messes around with a lot of different kinds of machinery, a lot of different food science. Um, he's worked with like Wiley Dufresne, who's mm-hmm. one of the molecular gastronomy pioneer chefs in New York. And this bar is a full on science experiment that if you that you don't ever have to perceive it that way in the bar. The bar doesn't feel like that, except in a couple of interesting ways I mean, um, where you see their their carbon dioxide line, <laughs> stuff like that. But but really it just feels like a nice bar, but if you know what he's doing, it's that much more interesting. Okay. So so you come with me to this secret world, mm-hmm. right? And then it also has to be, you know, come with me, right? Mm-hmm. I had to make the case that I was the right guide. So there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of heartstring tugging in it. It's all true, but it's all like here's why I care about this. Mm-hmm. I have an emotional connection to this subject, and I'm a science writer. So the way I deal with my emotional connections with things to which I am emotionally connected is try to understand them, right? So there's so my dad is in it, and my mom is in it, and and my so my personal history um, is in it, and then there's the actual case. Alcohol is a hologram for our experience of the natural world. Civilization begins with distillation. This is the most important stuff. The moment, and then this this intentionally hyperbolic thesis, the moment that you sit down in a bar, 
the perfect bar moment. You sit down in a bar, you order a drink, the bartender puts down a napkin, puts the drink in front of you, you pick it up, you take a sip, the universe revolves around that moment. Hmm. That, and that's the pivot. That's the exact middle. That's the, the metaphoric exact middle of the book. So the, that's all that stuff has to happen in that first chapter to, to make it. That's my cold open, right? That's the like, yeah. come in. This is it. This is the world we're about to do. And I'm the right guy to, to be there with you. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be there in quiet ways. I'm not going to, the book isn't about me. And it's not about my drinking. Right. You know, it's about the science of booze with me and we're going to go do this. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but there is a way for that to be calculating, and there's a way for that to be honest, and and they can be the same. They can be both. Yeah. But it again, it was a very emotional reading experience, and maybe because I know you, but maybe not because I think you you did have to get honest on the page, yes. which is very hard to do. That is, and and, and especially because what's coming up is, um, not, uh, it's not e- easy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it it's. I tried to make it easy, but it's, it's you know, it's complicated science sure, that we're going to talk about. It's still science. Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, it had, it was a, like establishing trust, right? As yeah. I'll give you a little bit. It's a, this is an interviewing tactic too. Yeah. You know, if you're interviewing somebody, one of the, a, a thing to do is like, let me, I'll tell you about myself too. Mm-hmm. Like, we'll do this quid pro quo, Clarice, you know? <laughs> um, Maybe that's not the that's, best. I probably shouldn't. Have Actually, let me start again. Um, <laughs> but you know, we'll 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 do yeah. something. I'll say, well, I'll tell you about my dad. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you about my mom. I'll tell you about my mom at Muson Frank, an important you know an important a place that's important to me, a person who's important to me, a moment that was important to me. Mm-hmm. Like this is what this book is. You know, it comes out of that. Yeah. Um, so you know. It was both calculated and honest, I suppose. I felt like it had to do that. Otherwise, it's like, well, why, you know, why do you ever want to read anything when you sit down? How do you, what, what is the first oh, absolutely. line make you want to read it? Yeah. Um, were, there, were there sections or chapters or even, you know, reporting uh, aspects that were easier than you anticipated? Or that were more interesting than anticipated? Or that, like, you would get carried away down one of these? Well, the... All of the, the sake stuff, the history of sake became I, – I got super compelled by this mm. – by the story of this guy, Tokichi yeah, um, Takamine, who um, was one of, the, one of the first people who tried to commercialize um, traditional Japanese technologies in the late 1800s and tried to bring over the process that they used to, to convert the, the starch and rice into sugar so that they can ferment it into sake to bring that to the U.S. and mm-hmm. use it to – to make scotch whiskey, to make whiskey. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he, he tries and, and ultimately fails, but then goes on and has this really interesting life. And I got, so there's a, a woman or a biographer of his, who's a mycologist named Joan Bennett. And she'd done a lot of the research and I found her work and, mm-hmm. and followed her, followed that rabbit hole, followed that trail to other sources on, on Takamine and got really into this story, deep, deep into this. I'm like, <laughs> this is fantastic. And I, 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 I strongly suspect though I have, I've told it in presentations on the book and to other people. I have a feeling I may be that Joan Bennett and I may be the only people who care about this story. But oh my god! I, but no, I love the story. Reading that, I was thinking like there is a television series here. Yeah, like this is fascinating. His his whole life. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a crazy. It's just life. really interesting. He, he marries. He he comes to comes to the this World's Fair in New Orleans, mm-hmm. and and his landlord is this ex Union lieutenant um, from from the Civil War, and he falls in love with his the lieutenant's teenage daughter and so he marries her and they go back to japan and they have a weird life there and he starts all these companies and eventually discovers or at least patents the discovery for the structure of adrenaline and gets rich for that i mean it's just he's got this amazing life <laughs> it's fascinating um, and, and it's also i mean that story like a lot of them in the book which deal with history also feel very relevant and contemporary like we get this guy yeah, I was worried about the history because I kind of promised at the beginning that I wouldn't – I said, I'm not going to do any history. Mm-hmm. It was all science, all modern contemporary science. And then I got so into the history that I, I was like, no, I'm going to do it. Plus, no. I, I also think that, that you can teach a lot of science using history exactly. because you can, say, you can get to a place in the past where you say, so here's what they didn't know. Right. And so they set out to try to figure it out, and that's how they learn biochemistry. Right. Here's the discovery process. Yeah, exactly. Now you've just gone through it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's very smart. Was there, were there sections that were more challenging than you had anticipated? Um, smell and taste, I mentioned, was, mm-hmm. turned out to be really challenging, even though that was, it's a subject that I've been interested in for years precisely because it's challenging. I mean, because it's an interesting, it's interesting science. Um, uh, so, but that it turned out to be tough to to um, to, to get to the right 
material that was right for the book. Yeah. Um, Sugar turned out to be tough. The second chapter because of a specific moment where I, and this is this is really what happened. I was writing, and I was I was writing this paragraph. I was like, well, look, you know, you need simple sugar, yeast. You need simple sugar, not complex polysaccharides. Big sugars are starch. They, you know, yeast need like glucose, sucrose, mm-hmm. right? And uh, and and so you want what you really want is you as a sugar source, you want something that has a lot of that. So you could use honey, maybe, but you want something that's easily accessible. And that has a lot of interesting flavors, and that you and that is is uh, you can manipulate in if you're doing the agronomy on it. If you're the, if you're growing it, you can manipulate and grow a lot of different spe- strains of so that it has different uh, different examples of it. You know, what you really want here is a grape, right? And then I started typing sense. So grapes, <laughs> and it was like, ah, oh, crap! I don't know anything about grapes. <laughs> How do you get to that? I don't know. It was right. really stupid. That was hilarious. So it was like, well, that's a week of reporting. Like, yep. see you later, book draft. I've got to go. Think that would have been one of the earlier trips. It was stupid. <laughs> I, I can't. Right. I can't. I can't say anything other than it was stupid. That it was really great. It was because I think because in my head I sort of was I was focusing a lot on distilled spirits on, mm-hmm. on whiskey yeah. and stuff like that. And so I hadn't come, I kind of hadn't circled back around to wine, you know? And, and so I went off and like called a lot of people and researchers who work on grapes and like, you know, tried to go see some, one of the big R and D labs at, at one of the big Napa wineries. Mm-hmm. And they were like, yeah, you seem like a nice guy, but no, that's all secret. You can't come here. Um, but, but you know, it was, it was stupid. But it was te- like I really I, I typed half the sentence and realized I didn't know what the second half of the sentence was. So grapes, something grapes, TK, TK, TK. Well, there was uh, it's funny. I mean, in the way you describe the preceding paragraph is almost how exactly how it is in the book. Yeah. And I remember I like I actually highlighted that section <laughs> because it's one of those great instances of like you are holding my hand through this. Everything is absolutely making sense. Yes, you need these these kinds of sugars. You need these manipulatable. So grapes, but right, <laughs> so I like, did it. It's a great I, aha, and to not. Know but what I did it comes to myself. Next. Exactly, I did it. I, I amazing. It worked on me. Like <laughs> my own it. trick was like. So I was like, I led myself to grapes, exactly. and then like, and then the and then the the book asked the question like, well, what would you like to say about <laughs> grapes? And I kind of went, I. Okay, so just hang on one second. <laughs> just a here, book. <laughs> wait, wait, we're there. <laughs> Amazing. Just in an atom-shaped cloud of <laughs> smoke. Uh, before we wrap up, I do want to get a little bit uh, uh, meta here mm. and talk about you've written a book. Yes. And, uh, like, selling a book, because this is ostensibly about the process and business of writing yeah. uh, this podcast. What happens? You know, we you have a publicist. The the publisher is behind the book, which mm-hmm. is really cool. Like they want you to go out and do interviews like this one. Yeah. Um, how does that all start to? How do those conversations take place? And what kind of a hand do you have? And what does the publisher expect? I guess um, there are there are certain traditional things that they do. And now because the publishing business, like all media businesses, is in some turmoil, they're not sure if there are things that still work. But they're they're mm-hmm. the only things that they know how to do. Um, the, the people who I've worked with at, at the publisher at Houghton Mifflin Harcourt have been really cool. And as you say, they've been supportive. Um, you know, I said, as we started to talk about it with the folks at the publisher and also with my agent, um, I said, listen, no bookstores, Hmm. no readings, no bookstores, bars, send me to bars. Let me have tastings, get sponsorship from alcohol companies. I don't care. Right. I can give, I can say 10 interesting minutes on anything that comes in a bottle. I know how to do it now. And they said, okay, that'd be great. And that sort of hasn't worked out. We haven't done that. Um, because they're not built for it? Yeah, well, par- I mean, partially because they sort of didn't buy it, I think. Mm-hmm. And partially because events are not a great way to sell books maybe anymore. That's, I think, up in the air. Mm-hmm. At least, I mean, maybe I haven't done that. Maybe my events haven't been. I wonder. Um, also, just the infrastructure for selling books at a bar isn't sure. really there. And I'm like, well, can't you just give somebody a square reader and a stack of books? Like, well, not really, it turns out. Right. For a bunch of complicated and, and legacy reasons. Um, and then it was like, well, we're going to go to a lot of cities. It's like, well, what do you get from that? Mm-hmm. Because remember, the goal here is to sell books, Adam, not just for you <laughs> to go you to visit your friends. Visit your friends. <laughs> um, though I have gotten to do that, which is really nice. So they were like, well, you'll come to New- We'll do New York. We'll do San Francisco because that's where you are. Easy. And we'll do New York because we understand that. 
And I said, you have to send me to D.C. And they said, why? I said, first of all, nobody drinks harder than Washington, D.C. You have to trust me. And I can get media there. Mm-hmm. Like I, my friends in D.C. are people in the media. So we'll be able to do stuff that will be worth, worth the time. Right. And they said, okay. So went to D.C. I said, L.A. They said, how come? I said, I know people there and we can do stuff there. And my family's there, so it's an easy trip. Right. You know, so it's not complicated. Um, and then, we, you know, as we've talked about other cities and as people, people in other cities, my friends in other cities said, are you going to come to Boston? Are you come to Portland? And we've gone back and forth and, and it's still not totally resolved. It's like, well, was there media interest in those cities? Does it, do you get, what do you get from going versus doing remote? Because you can go on the radio in those cities from any radio studio. Right. Um, and then, and you're still getting the, the impact. So the, and the radio stuff that I have done seems to have had an impact on numbers where, for example, like really? maybe TV didn't, it's hard for me to tell. And I don't have all, all the data, but like, um, you know, I'm, I, I, I have allowed myself the vice of compulsively looking at my Amazon number <laughs> and, uh, oh, without, boy. I have no guilt about it. I'm like, no, I'm going to do this. <laughs> I am. I'm going to do that. Uh, and so I, the, the, the radio show marketplace mm-hmm. did an interview with me and that seemed to move that number. Sure. But, well, I, but that's a national program. Oh, well, sure. I but mean, that's like doing hard to spot tap. Yes. Like, you know, that has a huge reach, but I was on, um, CBS this morning right. in New York and, and they were great, but I don't, I don't think that moved that number. Interesting. Um, and so then you, then you have all the kind of the media version of just those stories. Said, well, TV, mm-hmm. TV audiences aren't book, aren't book buying audience. Right. You know, really based on this. Really? B- because it seems like a lot of people watch that show, and uh, some of them, <laughs> no? Maybe not, right? Um, so radio seems to be good. They like, they like radio. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, the, the book publicists talk about, they really like you know, getting on Colbert or John sure. Stewart, because you know, those are book-buying audiences that are For also sure. really activated buying. That's the new Oprah's book club. I guess. <laughs> um, the, you know, and also uh, it's, new, it's a new experience for me because I, I, I've been a journalist for 20 years. And so to be the object instead of the journalist yeah. is really is new. Um, and I have – look, I got plenty of ego. Like people want to ask me about myself. I can talk about myself, obviously, as we've seen. But, um, but it is – it's it's been it's been really interesting being on the other side of of a specific set of questions that I know what like okay I see what we're doing, hmm. you know because I would do it too, <laughs> so fine. What are those questions? Oh, just you know things like um, or I guess what's the what's the point of view? Well, you know you sit down. I think about this as an editor, and I go, okay, this book just came across the transom, science of alcohol. It's pretty fun. It's crowd pleaser. Let's get a Q and A with the writer. And you want to talk to him about where the book came from and, you know, make sure to get sort of the central idea, but also like, what does this guy drink? Like, what's his drinking mm-hmm. experience like? You know, you, you pivot, pivot the interview around like, right. okay, fine. We can talk about, we can talk about my home <laughs> bar. I'm willing to, I like talking about it. It's not what the book is, but you got to have something to say, you know, if you're the publication, um, and you're going to do more than just a little squib on, on the sure. book. Um, so I totally, I, yeah, then it's. Uh, but it is interesting being on, on the, the, the receiving end, I guess. Oh, of course. Of course. Uh, all right. Before we wrap up, what are you watching on television? What are you reading? What are you... Are there movies? Do people go to movies? <laughs> not, not, I, I love Arrow, mm-hmm. which is, I know, sort of weird, but I like superhero stuff, and I think they do a really nice job. They do. Um, I watch... Many of the usual suspects, I watch Mad Men and Game of Thrones, though I'm increasingly not sure why. What am I supposed to be getting, show? What am I supposed to be, what are you trying to tell me other than nobody is safe and people mm-hmm. and life is hard? But, I, but I'm still watching. Um, I just started watching Penny Dreadful. How do you like it? I'm willing to stick with it for a few, yeah. see, what, see what they're doing. Yeah, um, it's push- I feel like it's pushing the right buttons in me anyway, uh, and doing some interesting takes on things I've seen mm-hmm. before. I've um, only watched a couple. Yeah, me too. Just why, like, okay, well, I'll see. Uh, you know, you get your. You, I'll, I'm, I'm in for six. Let's <laughs> exactly. see what happens. Um, let's see. I'm f- I'm forgetting a ton of stuff. Uh, well, it's a weird time, so it's hard. To yeah, because a lot of Louis. Are you watching Louis? I I've only watched a couple of episodes of Louis. I'm oh, not really? as obsessed. I know that uh, like all everybody who comes on your 
show. That's the one. They, well, they uh, always forget to mention it because it's such a quiet show, mm. despite how good it is. Um, Watch a couple. Let okay. What do you think? I'd be curious. Okay. Yeah, I, I know I ought to. Uh, <laughs> um, 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 you know, uh, so I watched Justified because, duh. But, um, but also there's this show Longmire. Mm-hmm. Have I talked to you about I this? I really we, like Longmire. I like Longmire. Have we ta- I don't think we have talked about uh, maybe it. Maybe not. Maybe, maybe just we just we parallel tracked <laughs> it. I think it's a good show. It is a good show. Uh, it's really likable. Katie Sackhoff, thank mm-hmm. goodness. And um, I read one of the books. Oh, really? Yeah. Is that any good? No. Oh. I did not enjoy it. That's a bummer. Because um, the was, show has this great lived-in uh-huh. feel, like it's northern exposure in a way. Yeah. Uh, I think that the book did not work for me because I had watched the show, and the book is first-person narrated. Oh, So God. it's him. It's Longmire's yeah. Walt narrating it, which is like, no, no, that's too far in his head. He should be a little bit uh, reticent. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the whole point of him, is nobody can get into him because yeah, he's, he's a cowboy. He's a cowboy. It's like, hmm. No, well, Cowboy really funny. So I like that show, except I do. I, I having Lou Diamond Phillips playing Tonto is a little bit off for me. I know. It's, it, it strikes the wrong note. Um, it should have been Johnny Depp. Is what you're thinking. <laughs> That's exactly what I was. Not enough my bird point. headdresses <laughs> in this program. Um, but uh, okay, so that I, and that's back on. That's what mm-hmm. reminded me of. So I'm, I'm watching that. Um, Fargo? Are you watching Fargo? I haven't. Should I watch Fargo? Oh, it's great. Okay. It, it does Fargo. all the same things. Uh, I actually, I talked to uh, Noah Hawley about this in Austin last weekend, and it, I said to him that he is doing for the Coens what uh, Graham Yost is doing for oh, Elmore Leonard. how interesting. Which is like all the great tropes that you love from that stuff without being slavish to it and without kind of the bad stuff of that. Huh. Uh, like doing the Coens better than the Coens for my money. Wow. Okay. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I love the show. All right. Well, and it's 10 episodes and done, which is amazing. That doesn't happen anymore. That's right. What am I forgetting? I know I'm forgetting shows. Sesame Street. You know, we, we picked up um, the, because uh, the, I have an a eight-year-old and a four-year-old, and so we've picked up the Deanieverse Batman and Justice League nice. shows again. So I'm watching them again. Uh, they're still great. Boy, they that's really some great are. writing. The and animated writing. Batman, the animated series. Yeah. yeah. And the Superman that they did, and then the yeah, Justice Superman League that they did. It's all like, wow. That's this fun. Is... I love that they're into it. Yeah. They, they are you more into it than they are? Probably, but they watch it. They, they put up with me. They, <laughs> when they, tolerate, um, they tolerate that. Well, we won't even get into comics. That's a whole other <laughs> podcast. We'll um, do it next time I'm in San Francisco or you're down here. Good. Uh, yeah, Adam, yeah. thank you for being here. Again, the book is Proof, The Science of Alcohol. Science of booze. Science of We're booze. informal. It's very informal. Very informal. That's, yeah. It's so welcoming to me, a regular person. <laughs> oh, booze? I know what that is. <laughs> it doesn't you. reek of ism. <laughs> it reeks of <laughs> ethanol fumes, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the book is great, and congratulations. Thank I you very much. On the record. <laughs> now leaving Nerdist.com. 